name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Vade retro, Satana. Santa Michele Archangeli. Fende no sem praelio. Welcome back to another <laughs> episode of Horror Cats and Witch Hats with Katie and Izzy. Uh, we have we have a fun one. I I love this one this time. This <laughs> is probably my favorite horror film. It's pretty damn good. It's going to be a long one, so we're going to give you a warning now. <laughs> it's so but it's long. it's worth every second because, um, well, I think a lot of people like these movies. So I agree. Anyways. Thanks for joining us and coming back and uh, listening to our um, beautiful voices and um, enduring on this horror movie trek with us while we talk about cats that should be in movies that aren't. Ooh, <laughs> this will be a good example. Yeah, there's not one cat. Or maybe it's a, a house. Maybe it's a good example of a movie where it was okay to not have a cat. Yeah, because you you the first the first thing you lose is a dog. So. That's that's like the worst part of this entire movie. <laughs> that's how you know it's a haunted movie. So this week's movie is a supernatural horror, hence the dead dog. And we're doing the first conjuring. Because, well, the new conjuring just came out. The devil made me do it. We've both seen so, it already. So we're waiting to talk about it. We want to give everybody a little time to actually see it for themselves, and then we'll talk about it. Um, so we thought we'd do the first one for you. And hey, if you have an opinion on it or something you want to share, email us. We'll include it in our episode. Yeah, please. We'd love to include some discussion if you guys like it, if you don't like it, if you think there's a certain part that's super cool and like spot on, just let us know. What I'm most interested in is if you can tell the different style between... The original director of The Conjuring and Conjuring 2, and then the director for the third one. Because mm -hmm. it does change. So, moving on. This movie... <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, this movie sprouted a lot of different um, topics, and it's gone into so many different ideas. And so, not only is The Conjuring 1, 2, and now 3 all a part of this... But because they're all based on Ed and Lorraine Warren and their discoveries, which, by the way, I share a birthday with Lorraine Warren. She was born on January 31st. I didn't it's know that. a That's long, great. deep dive. But yeah, so we share a birthday. Um, Hopefully other movies... share a, date, a death date. That would be upsetting. Uh, no, she's already dead. That's why I said I hope you don't oh, share right, a death date. Right, right, you're right. I got, I got, got, got it. I'm tired. It's been a long day. It's okay. Um, but other movies that you would see that are in the Conjuring realm that Ed and Lorraine, they're based Basically, cases based on Ed and Lorraine uh, Warren are The Nun, um, Amityville Horror. Uh, it's not exactly incorporated in this one. It's done by other directors, and obviously, they have not done one that incorporates Ed and Lorraine, but... I am calling these the Warrenverse, um, because it's a bunch no. of movies that are based on their, investiga their paranormal investigations. Yeah. Whether they're tied to these movies or not, they're all part of the same idea. Right. Um, same goes for The Haunting in Connecticut 1 and 2, which I think are wonderful movies, especially the first one I think is great. Um, 
all three of the Annabelle movies that have come out and La, La Llorona. There's also a bunch of books out there that I really want to read of their cases um, and stuff like that. Uh, there's a lot of controversy about the, the Warrens, but... Um, I would have loved to have met them. They sound so interesting. I'm sure we'll get into it, but um, Lorraine Warren makes a cameo appearance in the first one. No. Yes. Yeah. You'll have to tell me when, when we get there. I'll, I'll, I'll point it out to you. Because so, I, know, I know what she looks like, but I didn't know what she looked like until after I watched the movies. So now uh-huh. I'm sure if I watched it, I'd be like, oh, there she is. Yeah. But. She has a very striking presence. Like, like her face. <laughs> um, if you go to, and we'll post this link, but the, uh, which one is it? Let me just make sure. Um, History vs. Hollywood has tons of articles uh, relating The Conjuring and its real life cases. And one of the articles they have shows a side by side of the actors and then the people they depict. Um, mm-hmm. Mostly they don't really look alike, but in the way that they like, like you just said, like their presence, it fits with mm-hmm. Lorraine and then Vera who plays her. Oh, and she's, uh, I'm so in love with her. Vera is. <sighs> She, I, I can't put words to it. She's so amazing, and she's such a wonderful actress and can do so many different versatile roles. It's just amazing. She's definitely one of my absolute favorite actresses in the world. She made these movies incredible with her reactions. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're moving a little bit fast. So The Conjuring Sorry. came out in 2013. <laughs> As we said, it's a supernatural horror. The director... The one, the only, the incredible James, James Wan. Wan. He is known for kicking so off. So much. <laughs> yes. All the good stuff, really. So um, much. Kicking off the Saw franchise. He did Dead mm-hmm. Silence, Death Sentence, The Insidious. He's uh, worked on Furious 7 specifically. And I don't know if he's worked with some of the other ones. Because I know he got offered to do like two or three different ones. But they conflicted mm-hmm. with some of his other current like right. projects. So, yeah. but for some reason, our horror stuff keeps clashing with like Furious, the Fast and Furious world, which I find so it's weird. like it's like my two obsessions all in one. It's fine. It's interesting <laughs> how like they keep overlapping. Um, and then he's currently working on the Crooked Man, which is a reference to Conjuring Two, uh, the Nun Two, Aquaman Two. He did the latest Mortal Kombat movie. Um, and he's like a producer or in some way affiliated with all of the like Warrenverse movies and saws mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Um, he's very well known in the horror world because he's done so many successful and wonderful horror movies. His style is just phenomenal. And the writers are Chad and his twin brother Carrie Hayes. Um, Chad and Carrie. They, besides the Warrenverse ones, working with uh james wan they are noted for house of blacks and doing like a lot of tv movies Hmm. okay um so as you were saying uh we're well let's go let's go into the cast because we are talking about my favorite actress in the world so let's talk about her for a minute (laughs) the woman who plays lorraine warren who is one of who is the main character pretty much is played by vera um for is it for mia for minga Farmiga? Far- I don't know. Farmiga? <laughs> I'm terrible at last names, but man. Anyways, so Vera Farmiga, I'm going to go with that. 
She is marvelous. She was nominated and won awards for her role as Norman Bates in the Bates Motel show. And if you have not seen this show, you need to. She embodies mother perfectly. Like Norma, Norma Bates, you never really get a backstory in the movies too much of her. But she embodies and is exactly what you would want to see as Norma Bates. And it, it, she, she's perfect. She's perfect. <laughs> Uh, she's also very well known for other movies. She is Dr. Emma Russell in Godzilla, King of Monsters in 2019, which was really cool. She's also in a very underrated movie. Incredibly underrated. If you haven't seen The Orphan, I beg you to watch it because this movie is amazing. And she does wonderful. Most of the acting in that movie in general is absolutely amazing. Um, I think... Um... Somebody from the second movie is also in Orphan. From the second Conjuring? Yeah, but I can't remember which one it is. Hmm. Well, oh I'll no, it's that. the um, one of the writers for the second one. He also worked on Orphan. Oh, okay. That's what it was. Orphan is a very un uh underrated movie horror movie, and I think more people need to talk about it. <laughs> um, but she was also in other TV shows that um are known. Well, you'll have to hunt it down. It's called Touching Evil, and it came out in 2004. Um, and I don't know too much about it, but it's um, it's got Vera, which means it's probably damn good. You know, I, as soon as I read that, I was like, I need to find it. So, I mean, anything with her in it, I will be happy to watch because she's just, she really, I love her. She's probably one of my absolute favorite actresses up, up there with Helena Bonham Carter. She won, um, I mean, she's had a ton of nominations and awards for other like movies that are not horror um Mm -hmm. but she's yeah phenomenal so ed warren um whose actual birth name is warren edward miney so he like completely switched his name around which i find interesting that is interesting uh but he's played by patrick wilson who also worked on insidious obviously um he is one of the antagonists in aquaman which he's very versatile. <laughs> so that's- Patrick Wilson, he is a wonderful actor. I love that man very much. He is a great actor. You can see him. You've seen, I mean, you've seen him in different roles and you never realize it's him. And then all of a sudden he became like super popular. Like, oh, okay. Exactly. <laughs> he, he's, yeah, he's very versatile and so good. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has a ton of like awards and nominations. So yeah. Yeah. So good. And then Carolyn Perrin, who's the mother in this movie, is played by played by played by blah 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 anyway. blah blah blah. I do not say blah blah blah. Uh, <laughs> Lily Taylor, uh, she She's is great. the doctor and Eli. She's in Leatherface. She plays in Hemlock Grove. Which she's the mother. She's the mother in Leatherface, and she's also the mother of the werewolf in Hemlock Grove. <laughs> which I think is one of the first Netflix original TV series that made that like a thing for netflix by the way 100 percent, i would agree that and it's a really good show i definitely need to catch up on it so and then of course she's in the haunting she's with Catherine zeta jones and liam neeson owen mm-hmm. wilson all those people so roger perrin the father is played by ron livingston um he's gonna be in the flash movies that are currently in production uh, as barry's dad but he's also in a movie that is called the man who killed hitler and the bigfoot I 
there are movies where I hear a title and I'm like, man, I know exactly what that movie is, but now I need to watch it. And that is one of those movies. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I feel that. Um, So getting into the daughters, because they had, what, five daughters? (laughs) Too many. Andrea Perrin is played by Shanley Keswell. I mean, her best appearance is going to be The Haunting in Fraternity Row, on Fraternity Row. But And she's also had some TV appearances. And then you get Nancy Perrin, who is played by Haley McFarlane, who has many TV appearances, including Criminal Minds. So Christine Perrin is played by Joey King. And she... She's probably the most well-known daughter. Like, yes. I, I mean, like, act- actress. Yes. She is in the movies... Uh... I lost myself. Oh, Kissing Booth on Netflix. Um, one, two, and then they're coming out with the third one, which I oh, don't know how that's going to go, but whatever. Um, she's in Slenderman. She's in the TV series, The Flash. She's also in that Hulu movie that's about the uh, mother who convinced her she couldn't walk, and she ended up, her and her boyfriend ended up killing the mom. She's in the, one the movie about that. True case, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, That yeah. was in Missouri when I lived there. That happened there. Oh, that's yeah. terrifying. Uh, but yeah, she plays the daughter in that. She Yeah, she plays a lot of... A lot of stuff now. She's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. She's very well known. And she, yeah, she is very pretty. Um, And then we have Cindy, who is played by Mackenzie Foy. Mackenzie, man. She's a name out there. Everywhere. <laughs> um, She plays... She played uh, Clara in The Nutcracker and The Four Realms. Um, so she's turning 21 this year, and she still looks like she has the face of a 10-year-old. I know. She has them. She's such a baby face. And she's very pretty, but she's she looks so incredibly young. She Yeah, she looks the exact same as she did in these movies, just taller. Yeah, and that, these movies were made almost 10 years ago. Yeah, it's, it's wow, it's been that God, hard. oh my God. <laughs> Don't say Good realization that. in my oh, head. Creepy. I, that took a second to like kick in, and then I was like, "Oh my god, two more years!" And it's really been ten years since that movie came out. Whew. Um. And then we have April, who is the youngest daughter, played by Kayla Deaver, and uh, she's in a lot of dark movies and shows as well. Um, she's definitely going to be an up up and coming star, but she, I think she's turning eighteen this year, but her photograph as april like when she was that young she looks Mm -hmm. very similar to drew barrymore when she was like firestarter et yes yeah yeah 100 percent. i agree as i'm looking at her photo right now she was born in 2003 that makes that makes me feel so old so she was 10 when this movie came out yeah yeah and she i think april was supposed to be like eight in the movie so (laughs) Um, and then you have Drew, and Drew is not a part of the family. Drew it helps out the uh, the Warrens uh, with their um, uh, with with their ghost hunting. <laughs> He's their assistant, like their yeah electronic. Uh, yeah, he kind of knows all the the ins and outs of the electronic hookups and the the thermal cameras. Um, what would you put as the job title on his resume? Um, Ghost, hi- ghost hunting electricianist. No, I wouldn't put ghost hunting. <laughs> I'd put like technological. Paranormal technologicalist. 
Now I'm making up words. I don't know either. I like it. We'll go with it. Um, He's played by Shannon Cook, uh, who is known in a lot of TV shows and, um, well, including Degrassi, The Next Generation. You know, the TV show that you and I would watch every single week. (laughs) Every single episode is is on YouTube for free. Just a fun fact. Netflix tried to reboot it. And I was like, why? Why? No. 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 Just go watch it on YouTube for free. All the episodes are there. Which I'm sure is exactly what everybody who had watched the original Degrassi said about the next generation. Yeah. More than likely. And then finally, we have Brad the Cop. <laughs> yeah, I like this character. He's hilarious. Um, but it's he's played by uh, John Brotherton. And he is... Probably best known as the blonde hunk on Fuller House, because everybody seems to know what Fuller House is but me. I mean, like, I know what it is, I just don't watch it. <laughs> um, he's also in Furious 7, and he's a pilot in Guardians of the Galaxy. Furious 7, man. Fast and the Furious movies. One of my biggest obsessions that I will never be guilty about, because I love Vin Diesel every bit of his body and him. him. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of crossovers with Fast and Furious. So, one of the things that I really like uh, reading you know what they've worked on is mm-hmm. I love when directors and actors we've said this before I think when they work together on multiple projects um, yes because one I feel like that tells me something about who they are as people not just like their acting ability but like if you want to work with someone again you obviously like them right oh yeah um, but it's just it's fun to see them like working together over and over again and I think that's what happened with a lot of this group well, and you build a really good relationship and, like, a chemistry with them that just creates a better forming movie. And it just all seems, it, it sews together seamlessly, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I Yeah, I really enjoy when they do that. So mm-hmm. Yeah. So, The Conjuring uh, got a lot of nominations and awards. It had 22 nominations and 15 awards, award wins in tw- uh, 2014, including Best Horror Film, obviously. <laughs> um, best supporting actress which is Lily Taylor which yeah she did marvelous in this movie She her acting with everything is great um, best director cinematography and ensemble cast which again all makes sense best film and best title sequence <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing um, I didn't either but it does make sense because their title sequencing is so perfect especially at like, the end credits when they do like real photos of the Perrins and the Warrens and recordings, which I think is amazing. So so for the synopsis for this movie, we are going to do this one more like the other podcasts do, I guess, uh, where they talk through a lot of the details of the movie and then like kind of interrupt it. The things we've been trying not to do, we're going to do this. We're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, the plan this time. <laughs> so the reason for that is because I... One of the reasons I love these movies is because of the details, and the details are incredible. Two, this is rooted, it's inspired by a true story, so it's easier and less confusing if we point out some of that stuff while we're going. Yeah. Um, but three, I fucking love this movie, so I want to talk about it. <laughs> 100%. I own, uh, this is going to sound so bad, I own three copies of this movie. <laughs> Hard copies. You should save one of those copies because I have big ideas for this podcast that will hopefully kick in next month and we can use that for something. Cough, cough, wink, wink, listeners. Cough, cough, wink, wink. Giveaway, maybe. Uh, Okay, they're here. I got them. 
So this is going to be a long breakdown of the movie, but we're going to break it up. So bear with me. Yep. Anyways. So this movie, as we kind of talked about, the Warren verse, um, they're separate movies a lot of the times, but they do kind of come together. And in this first Conjuring movie, they bring in a lot of the other movies right off the bat. So you'll see. And it's unexpected. It's really unexpected. And they're little bits. And then it all forms together and you're like, oh, my God, it all makes sense. Okay. Yes. And they do it in a way that it's, it's so sly. It's yeah. so sly. They do it so well. <laughs> they, It's like seamless. So it's mm-hmm. not obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this first one, you'll get introduced to Annabelle, Haunting in Connecticut, Maurice, which later gets turned into like the nun movie. Um, and then, of course, the main story of The Conjuring. Mm-hmm. So... Right off the bat, you get introduced to the case of Annabelle. That's like their opening. Is it a cold open? I think. It's uh, a- yes. Okay. Yeah. So it introduces the case of Annabelle. Um, it's the Warrens as paranormal investigators, and they are talking to, like, this house of nurses that yeah. dealt with Annabelle. And this is the case where they get the doll, possession of the doll, or whatever. So then it goes, The Conjuring, right? In a title winning sequence Mm -hmm. and so uh you basically find out that they are paranormal investigators and they do their shick on behalf of the church and they lecture at local universities boom then it cuts to the farmhouse and the Perrin family moving in and it's january 1971 and the farmhouse is located in harrisville rhode island and one reason why i love this movie and James Wan in general in this opening sequence the camera is inside the house and it's watching the family drive up through the window and then it like pans to the door where they're coming in and to me I'm like oh my gosh this house is already alive like just from that 30 seconds sequence you get the sense that this there's something going on with the house. The house is alive. Well, it, it gives the house its own personality is yes. what it is. It gives you this it gives you the pure sight through the house's eyes on what it's dealing with. And so it gives it just another another character, basically. You get the house as its own character. Yes. And, and it's it's beautiful. I love that. Yeah, and his well and, and he does so well with his, his scenes, the way that he shoots them specifically. Like for instance, the scene where she at the oh close to the very end where um where Lorraine has to go get her bible out of her car she runs up the basement stairs and that's... the camera goes upside down you're right i was like that's the conjuring too but you're right no gotcha. i know They're all <laughs> but the camera together. goes upside down and then it goes back right side up it's and it's just like a simple you're looking down you're looking back up but it's watching her go out of the house and then come back in it's so well done i know i love the transitions Oh, they're genius. And I have a whole And again, about he it. does he does so many horror movies that he has perfected those kinds of little shots that just give you that creepiness or add to it. But yes, the transitions and the filming, the whole like cinematography, beautiful. No, we'll, no wonder it won best cinematography. <laughs> yes, we'll we'll keep pointing those out as we go. Um but yeah, that was just like as soon as I started it, it was beautiful. But it's also um I'm going to keep going on this rant because we're here. But That's okay. another thing that I love about this movie and James Wan is they let like natural sounds, quote unquote natural sounds, like take the scenes instead of constantly having music and Creepy noises. music. Yeah. Um, because like that, that scene, it's 
if I'm remembering correctly, um, it's fairly quiet and you hear them, you know, driving in. Like, it's the house. Like you said, it's the perception of the house. Yeah. And there's more of that later on in the movie that we'll talk about. But um, those little details make this movie incredible. It's like the still noise. Exactly. It's perfect. It's creepier than anything. Mm -hmm. So, as Katie mentioned, the Perrin family is seven strong. It's Roger and Carolyn, dad and mom, and their five daughters, shoot me now, Andrea, Nancy, Christine, (laughs) Cindy, and April. Says the woman who has a son. I have one. For real. One son. One. Un mas. That's so many. I I was saying this when I was watching this again, just for fun. I feel so bad for Roger because he's dealing with six girls. So they're going into teenage phases. He has young young daughters. <laughs> Even the dog was a girl. <laughs> That's true, Sadie. <laughs> Speaking of the dog, so as oh, soon as they get there, Sadie refuses to go in the house. Trust your fucking dog, people. Trust your goddamn animals. They will tell you what is wrong if, you've, if there's something wrong with that house and they don't go in. You don't go in either. <laughs> and... Because of the title of The Conjuring, you automatically know that it's like a haunting movie. So mm-hmm. while you're watching this movie, even if it's your first time, you are looking for those signs of hauntingness, right? And it's the biggest one right there. So as soon as the dog refuses, you're like, Mm-mm, honey, everybody get out. Like, everybody leave. Just leave. sell this house. Just don't. Just go back. Go, pitch, go the fuck back. Pitch a tent on someone else's property. It'll be free. You're fine. Get out. Right. Yeah. And they're just like, meh. It's just new. We'll house. just leave you outside. It's like, no, 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 no. You trust your dog. If my dog doesn't like a person, I know not to trust that person. And it's probably for a damn good reason. (laughs) And, okay, so the dog refuses to come inside. And it goes through this whole sequence where they're unpacking. And you find out the girls play a game called hide and clap. Coolest idea ever. I, could you imagine the shit we would have gotten into playing this? (laughs) We got in so much trouble playing tag in the first place. Let alone if we were playing hide and clap with fucking blindfold on. <laughs> we can't even walk across a room without stubbing our tables, tripping yes. over bags. <laughs> There's been many a broken toes. Yeah, and then yeah. you want to throw blindfolds into the mix? Heck no. But the game yeah. is genius. So these girls, one girl is blindfolded. Everybody else and hides. And they're, they're it. That's the person that's it, right? Everybody else hides. Um, and then they get three claps. So it's like Marco Polo. So the person says clap. They have to clap. They can ask for three, and then they find you by sonar, basically, hearing, auditory, whatever. Um, these girls cheat, and it's adorable. Totally. Yeah. I love I love the mom. That's cheating. <laughs> uh, so they start playing, and while they're playing, one of them is hide- hides in the closet. She hits her really hard. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, man. She is real fucking hard. Um. But it turns out that this little coat closet has been boarded off, and it's actually the entrance to their basement cellar. So the dad goes down there, and there's, like, a shit ton of crap of all the people who used to live there. But also, it's pretty well preserved, and they could probably sell a decent amount of it. The lights don't work. Another hint. Of course. Of course. Electricity's <laughs> not working, right? Um, so then they go into bed, their first night in the house. This is another beautiful filming moment that ties in later into the film. So I'm going to describe the scene now, and then I'll tell you where it ties in later. But this scene is the mom, Carolyn, looking out through her bedroom window, and she's looking down at Sadie, and she's like, oh, Sadie's being so weird. She was, like, pacing and freaking out. And they 
show the camera from the outside looking in at the house. It's a beautiful shot. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of shots like that that are just perfect. And that comes in later, but it's beautiful. But remember that. Okay. And uh, so Carolyn wakes up the next day and she's got like these miscellaneous bruises on her legs. And she goes downstairs. All the clocks have stopped at 3.07. And this is another moment where, what did you call them? Um, silent sounds? Uh, uh, yeah, basically it's like dead air almost. Yeah, so it's dead air because the clock, the point, they're trying to point out that the clock That it's not ticking. Working. They have a big right. grandfather clock that you can hear in the background most of the time. Um, so when that's not ticking, it's eerie as fuck. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that again. If they had played music, it wouldn't have had the same impact. Um, April, who's the baby, wanders outside and, surprise, Sadie's dead. Surprise, not surprise. You knew it was going to happen. I was so worried about that dog. <laughs> I when, I, when I first saw it, when I first saw this movie in theaters, I remember being like, why aren't you trusting the dog? And I pissed people off because I like yelled in the theater because I'm like, it's obvious. And then... <laughs> I turned to Jade and I was like, something's going to happen to this dog. And she's like, I know. Me too. As soon as you see a haunting movie and the dog won't go inside, you're like, oh, well, that dog's dead. <laughs> yeah. In the first few days, you get a sense of the house being haunted in its certain in, in its very specific ways. And they're pointed out by uh, the girls. It's really cold when they wake up in the morning. It's very cold. And their heater's on, but it's not working. Um, the, the electricity is super te temperamental. The clocks stop working at 3.07 every single time. There's a ransom odor as in, and she, she described it like rotting meat. Um, and so, and it, and it, it moves throughout the house, basically. Um, the unexplained bruises on Carolyn, animals obviously not going in the house at all and ending up mysteriously dead around it, if so. <laughs> um, you get the birds slamming into the windows and uh, a bunch of antique items that are constant, that are just all left behind in the basement, like they just left. Everything, so. as we've said, that would be in like a haunting 101 book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, haunting 101s of don't live in this house. If these there's, apply. <laughs> there's a BuzzFeed article out there somewhere that says 10 signs you're haunted. All of these are listed. <laughs> yep, that sounds about right. Um, So at this point, it cuts to Ed and Lorraine's house. And they have a room full of trinkets and things that they have collected throughout their paranormal investigations. It's their haunted artifact collection. Yes. And they keep these haunted or cursed objects slash conduits locked away in a room where a priest comes once a month and blesses them. This is in their house. They live with this every day. It's it's locked. Like There's like six locks on the door. <laughs> and there's like signs all over that's like, do not enter, warning, don't mm -hmm. touch. And and in this particular scene, he is, Ed, sorry, Ed is showing, I believe it was a reporter. Through, it is a reporter. Okay. And... The guy's like, oh, why don't you just burn all this stuff? And Ed says, destroy. That will only destroy the vessel. Sometimes it's better to keep the genie in the bottle. And he makes a comment about, like, keeping guns off the street or something. And that's basically that. Um, you're just getting an idea of, like, who they are and what they do. Yeah. And then you get another night at the Perrin family house. So Christine gets awakened by something grabbing her foot. Fuck that. I <laughs> uh, know. What kind of just child? Saying sleeps just like feet out yeah i don't i don't i definitely didn't when i was a kid like that was the most horrifying thing in the world 
but yeah <sighs> so she thinks it's her sister nancy because they share a room so she keeps being like nancy stop and then it skips to andrea sorry it goes to like the dad who's been drinking and is worried about finances and whatever uh, but he walks upstairs and andrea comes down and he's like dad cindy's sleepwalking Cindy again sleepwalk. <laughs> um which again sleepwalking child throwback to sinister uh, yeah sinister never a good idea no um that's number eight on the you're fucking haunted list yeah uh so he goes into her room and andrea does not share a room it's her own room but she has this giant wardrobe, wardrobe. like a witch in the wardrobe kind of yeah wardrobe. like solid narnia entrance <laughs> yes um and it was left in the house and Cindy is just, like, walking into it and, like, bumping her head. And so the dad just, like, guides her back to bed, and that's the end of that. Because you're not supposed to wake up a, sleep a sleepwalker. Yeah, apparently. Mm -hmm. um, so the next day, or a few days later, it's kind of hard to keep track of the time in this. Yeah, they don't, they don't give you dates or anything like that, so you kind of just have to go with the flow. Because <laughs> one day they're like, oh... You have to leave for a week, and then the next scene is he's, he's like coming here. home. So it's yeah. the time is a little wonky, but I think that also kind of just adds to like the creepy haunting factor. But yeah, um, so you get another day where the girls are going to school, and Carolyn is at home alone with young Alice. April, you right, April. <laughs> Sorry, there's too many names. With April, and. Uh, she walks in, and April is talking to an imaginary friend, who she calls she, Rory. She's having a tea party. <laughs> yeah. And she says, oh, you can see Rory in this music box that I found by the creepy old tree by the pond. Which is a really cool music box, I'm not going to lie. It's a pretty cool, for like, when it was made, it's pretty cool. Yeah, because it's like one of those tin music boxes. Um, and it's like it's round anyways it's really cool it's like hypnotizing children for some reason I don't know yeah it's a weird detail. it's fine uh, so the mom doesn't see Rory but it's a super intense scene it's great and then the little girl says mom play hide and clap with me please so mom says okay which is a terrible idea in the first place <laughs> when they're playing hide and clap and you see Carolyn walk out into the hallway she runs into this big um it's like a vanity. It's almost like a vanity. It has two drawers, um, granite table or granite tops on the side, and then it has this beautiful mirror in the center. I have that exact thing at my parents' house. Super screwed, basically. But yeah, no, I have that wardrobe. I will take a photo. Uh, we'll post it up with this with this post because two at it's the exact same thing. But uh, yeah, so she's playing. Um, she's like clap and. The clapping leads her into Andrea's room, back to that wardrobe where Cindy was bonking her head on. Um, you see some hands poke out of the wardrobe and clap. Um, mm -hmm. And then the mom is like, I can hear you breathing. And she walks up to the wardrobe and she's like, gotcha. The and she opens the wardrobe and she, can say, and she says, I can hear you breathing. Because you can. It, it does that dead silence for a second where you can hear a slight breath inside the wardrobe. And then... All of a sudden, you know, she like, oh, I can, I, I hear you breathing. And then you get, you get a nice little loud jump scare. <laughs> and then um, April, right, is the baby. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. April comes up and is like, I wasn't even in here. And the mom like looks absolutely terrified. Carolyn is like, what the fuck? So she starts scouring through this wardrobe because she knows that she just, that something. She heard happening. it. It was right in front of her face and she heard breathing. Um, And she can't find it, of course. I'd uh, panic too. <laughs> I would freak out as well. But I'm We're leaving. Good. We're getting out of this house. But I'm also great at rationalizing. So I would have been like, no, 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 it's okay. It was just my imagination. It was you sneaking up on me. Uh. Well, well, my ass would instantly be like, ghosts, we have ghosts, we're leaving. <laughs> um, yeah, so sign, uh, signs of your haunted number eight, a sleepwalking child gets extra creepy at night. And number nine, imaginary friends attached to objects. Don't trust them. Duh. Especially when it's like you can only see him behind you in this mirror. Um, right. Yes. Okay. And then number ten, unexpected sounds and disappearing people. You know when everybody somebody, somebody hears a sound, they're like, I'm going to go check it out. No, bitch. Don't go check it out. Get the other way. <laughs> and of course, right as Carolyn is starting to notice all these creepy things, um, her husband Roger gets sent on a week-long trucking trip to Florida. To leave them all alone together. <laughs> Nothing builds suspense like being alone in a house of women. So Christine gets tugged. And she's like, mm -hmm. Nancy. So she sits up and she sees that Nancy's still sleeping. And so she's super freaked out. Um. And she does what no real child should do. Right? No, I, no, I don't know one child that would ever look under their bed the way she does that. So she is looking around her room. She looks under the bed. Um, no, this is don't look under the bed. This is what you do, okay? One, you cover your damn feet, especially if their house is cold, like they're saying. Her feet should yeah. be covered, right? But that's neither here nor there. But as children, we do not leave our feet hanging out. We no. jump off the bed to get clearly over the things clearly hiding. the boogeyman stories didn't teach them anything yes obviously they had not seen disney's things to go bump in the don't look or the, whatever yeah don't look at the, the bed you're right they hadn't seen it yet. <laughs> um anyways uh number two like i just said jump on and off the bed to clear the hands that come out and snag your ankles yeah three never look under the bed and four Ghost schools and creepies cannot penetrate a sheet that is properly covered over your head. <laughs> exactly. We all know this. Everybody should know this. This is common knowledge. My nephew that is six knows this. <laughs> right. Christine did not know this. She decided to look under the bed. At which oh, God. It, that was so stressful for me to, for me to watch. <laughs> I know. But the most stressful part, there's nothing under there. Mm -mm. But then she, I think this is when she sees something in the corner that's like, yeah, she gets and that's when spooked. she like, tur she, yeah, she gets spooked when she's upside down and then you see her a beautiful camera angle come back up on top of the bed and she's terrified. And she's like, Nancy, Nancy, um, and she's staring at the door, which is right by the corner. So she's like looking at the corner of the room and Nancy's mm -hmm. like, what do you want? She's like, there's somebody in the corner. And so Nancy's like, nah, -uh, pushes her glasses up her nose and wanders over there. And she's like, look, there's nothing here. And then she turns around. And she's like, oh, it stinks. And Christine looks absolutely terrified. She's like, it's behind you. And it's standing right behind you. Then Nancy like turns and has this creeped look on her face. And then all of a sudden the door slams. All the girls start screaming. Dad comes running in and is like, no one's there. And Nancy's like, I didn't see anyone. And then Christine, Christine's freaking out the entire time. Still. Yeah, she's just bawling her eyes out. Her face is great. She's another one who's like facial expressions show everything. It's perfect. Yeah, she's so good. And she's like, but it spoke to me, and she said she heard the thing. Blah 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 blah. Start over. And she's like, <laughs> it spoke to me, and it said it wanted to kill my family. It, it wants my family dead, is what she says. Yeah, you're right. 
Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, some more signs that you're super fucking haunted. Number 11. <laughs> a, a child seeing dead people and declaring that your family, that it wants your family dead. Yeah. I'd say get the fuck out of the house, dumbasses. Sounds Granted, perfect. I know all, I know, I know that all their money is in this house, but like still it's your life or your money. I mean, come on. Like I said, go camping. Just pick a farm yeah. nearby. Go camping. Yeah. Um. So after this like super intense scene, it cuts to Lorraine and Ed. And it may sound like it jumps around kind of randomly between the two, but it's not as abrupt a change as we make it sound. It flows really well. The cuts with Ed and Lorraine are ways to break up these hauntings so that it's one, it kind of shows time passing, but also it's just like makes it less of like a bang, 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 haunt, haunt, haunt kind of a thing. Yeah, you get to learn a little bit more about the Warrens as exactly. they're, they're you wonder what's going on with the parents. So. Um, so the the only like really important part about this scene um, is to kind of drive home this theme in this show, this particular movie that every time Lorraine has a vision or something, it like really wears her down because she is getting like a glimpse of evil and that is exhausting. So uh, there's that and then it shows them doing an investigation at a house where they they don't find anything they just tell the family like oh it's just your creep like your pipes it's basically just to show it's the wind and the pipes it's them debunking the the owners of the house thinking that they're haunted well that and it's showing because ed and lorraine in real life um they get a lot of shit um yeah they do saying that they they will find any house is haunted just you know for the notoriety um, mm-hmm. So this scene, I think, is thrown in there to show that they did Tried actually... to debunk more than anything. Yeah, they did actually do, like, some investigations that are like, no, you're not haunted. Yeah. Um, and then it also, like, really drives home this common thread throughout all these movies where Lorraine, every five minutes, reminds Ed that God brought them together. Do this. <laughs> so that was basically the point of that scene. Um, then, of course, it's another night at the Perrin family farm. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and this is kind of when shit, like, really breaks. The- Hits the fan. Yeah, you're right. Hits yeah. the fan. Uh, it goes skyrocketing real high. <laughs> yeah, the industrial fan, as they say. Yeah. Uh, Carolyn wakes up because she hears, like, children giggling and... Like, running around. Yeah, little pitter-patter of children's feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, haunting sign number 12. Yeah, Footsteps. Great. Uh, so she thinks it's the girls and she's like, oh, it's too late. Go to bed. And she walks out and all of a sudden, all the pictures. Well, she goes to check the rooms first. Remember, she goes to check the rooms and all the girls are in their rooms. And then all of a sudden, all the pictures on the staircase get knocked mm-hmm. down, like crashing to the floor. And there's like 20 picture frames. So that's a lot of glass, first off. <laughs> it's so loud, too. Incredibly loud. Like, I am amazed that no, none of the girls woke up. But... Ghost stories, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think of that about a lot of movies. I'm like, nah, no way would somebody not wake up. I definitely would have woken up if I heard that. <laughs> um, and for some reason, Carolyn's like, you know what? I'm going to follow it downstairs. <laughs> so she I'm goes. I'm going to chase this thing. I know. This thing I can't see that just destroyed my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she chases it into the cellar. And she's like, whoever you are, I'm going to lock you in there. Because locking a burglar into your cellar, I don't know, I guess seemed like a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so she turns to leave this little coat closet cellar entrance and the door slams closed like smacks her in the face super hard 
Mm-hmm. As someone with a pointy nose, I can only imagine how bad that hurt. <laughs> yeah, for real. And but it throws her down the stairs. Yes, and she goes tumbling down. Um, and I, I don't think she actually sees any ghosts or anything Mm-mm. while she's down there, right? Okay. The the light, the light flickers and then goes out, yeah, and so she really. sprints up the stairs. Yes, like any child running up the stairs in the dark, where you think something's uh, going to that was her. Uh, she, every time you and I ran up the stairs from the basement at my at my parents' house. <laughs> yes. Yes. She gets upstairs. She turns around. I think she hears something. She hears something down in the cellar, like like scuffling or something. Um, and she's got matches. She lights a match. She's got a, bo- a box of matches because that's what you had back in the day. <laughs> I I don't know if it was in her pocket or if it was just chilling in the cellar. I don't know, but possibly. She lights a match. It burns her. It goes out. Um, she hears a whisper, and it's like, "Do you want to play hide and clap with me?" And and. The only light you have in this entire scene is just her match. It's just the match that she, the matches that she lights, which is so beautiful because and so well done. <laughs> not only that, um, but the dark parts of these movies are extra dark. They're dark, yeah. They're really dark. So they push like the extra darkness onto it, and it's like thick black heaviness of darkness. And so all you have is just that one little match. And so she lights a second one. And that's when you get the creepy hands that come out right next to her head and real quick. <laughs> they what? I'm sorry. They. they... That work? I can't hear it. What she's trying to do is clap. Um, I am trying to clap. <laughs> she looks like a silent seal. <laughs> you really can't hear any of that? <laughs> Anywho. Uh, two little kid hands. You no, know, the out. hands are creepy in the movie too. So they come out and they clap twice, right in her ear, and then mm-hmm. the light goes out, and she just starts screaming and slamming on the door. Mm-hmm. And then it goes up to that another silent house creepiness moment. Um, Andrea wakes up because Cindy's in her room again, like hitting the sleepwalking and she's, hitting. Yeah, her she's wardrobe. like walking into the wardrobe again. Um, and Andrea is like, "Okay, I know what to do. I just saw my dad do this." So she's like, "You can sleep with me tonight, and guides." Cindy, I keep wanting to say Alice. Cindy to the bed. Um, and then I can't remember what prompts it, but Cindy- so the so as soon as she as soon as Andrea lays Cindy into the bed, uh, the wardrobe creaks open, and so Andrea turns to the wardrobe, walks to close it, and then you see Cindy just sit straight up in the bed. <laughs> Obviously, like oh shit's gonna go down because I mean like it's just a solid. It's a really cool shot of her just rising up and just sitting up, and her eyes get really big, and you just hear and she gasps so andrea looks at her looks at looks back at cindy then looks up to see what cindy's looking at well cindy's pointing she points oh yeah she that's right she points up and that's when andrea turns and sees bethsheba unknowing unknowing that it's bethsheba just seeing some creepy as fuck shit thing standing on top or like crouched on top of her wardrobe which crouching fuck that crawling fuck that Yep. Big time. <laughs> Those are things that will always fucking scare me. Anything doing a backbend? No thanks. Oh, yeah. So Beth Sheba's all crouched on top of the wardrobe and just jumps straight on Andrea. And this is the first really good look of Beth Sheba that you get. Yeah. In this movie. Um, so then yeah. Andrea, of course, starts screaming. This is when Roger comes home. and He's out by his truck and hears everybody screaming in the house. Yeah, and he's like, what the heck am I coming home to? He runs in. Gets Andrea. And gets Carolyn like, first. Oh, sorry. Gets Carolyn. Runs upstairs. 
gets Andrea. Andrea's just like on the floor thrashing because mm-hmm. Bathsheba's no longer there. Um, and that was kind of the end of the scene. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, like, all the girl, all the girls run into Andrea's room. They're all staring at her and everybody's like, and she, and that's literally what he said. He's like, what is going on? <laughs> and then I don't remember. Do you see if Andrea has any marks on her? Not that I can remember at the time. I think it, I want to say it just cuts. Um, it, yeah, I don't really, you get, uh, if I remember correctly, you get Roger kind of like holding Andrea for a second because she was like thrashing, but you don't get like a good solid like look at Andrea after that. So I don't think she was actually like, there was any scratches or anything or, or physical evidence of being seen. Okay. Um, so then, as we said, it cuts to Ed and Lorraine who are at a local university giving a lecture um, as they would do in real life. Uh, they are talking really, about- really quick. This is where you. This is where her cameo is. This is where Lorraine Warren's cameo is. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> is she in the lecture hall? She's sitting in the crowd. She's okay. she's like two or three rows up, and they literally cl- they go right over her face when they go up to Carolyn. Um. So Ed and Lorraine are giving a lecture, and conveniently they're talking about signs of possession, which I say conveniently only because it fits the movie, but really that's like what they lectured about. Yeah. Um. So they are using the example of an exorcism <laughs> I just pulled a muscle of Maurice and uh, they're talking about like the stages of demonic activity and they describe it in three phases infestation mm-hmm. oppression and possession so infestation is uh, when you hear all the noises and the footsteps and the whispering it's just like that general creepy feeling like where you just get that vibe you're like this house is not fucking right like something's wrong or you're like this I then- could have sworn I put my scissors <laughs> over there yeah and all of a sudden they're like hanging above you <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this leads that that then leads to oppression which is typically like the most psychologically vulnerable um, that is targeted and they're the ones that are just continuously broken down and like what seems like attacked basically so for me i couldn't like think exactly what would make someone like physically attacked not like the ghost jumping on them but mm-hmm. like they said psychologically vulnerable so for yeah me, for me this presents what i imagine as um like where it's keeping people from sleeping which mm-hmm. makes you kind of making them drive it like drive them crazy yeah more psychologically vulnerable this is where i imagine like they're moving people's shit because you're like i swear to god i just put that there because it makes you think like you're losing your mind and there's something wrong exactly with you. Yeah. um it's like those little things that i think fall under this category that make people more vulnerable because um, then also when you're in those states you start to think uh like wow maybe i'm haunted and as soon as you accept those ideals that makes you That's, that makes you vulnerable <laughs> yeah and so that all leads into possession which is um obvious and seen and everything where you know it, they are fucking clearly haunted <laughs> that was caitlin trying to describe possession without using the word possessed in the definition <laughs> exactly because i don't know how else you are supposed to describe that <laughs> Um, so Carolyn is sitting, as Caitlin said, Carolyn is sitting in the crowd at this lecture. She mm-hmm. corners the Warrens after this lecture in the parking lot. And Lorraine is at first is like kind of resilient and Ed doesn't want them to do any more investigations because of Lorraine's like trauma or whatever. She like needs a break. Um, like the, la- the last thing that happened to her was super traumatic and it messed her up for a minute. And so they've been trying to kind of distance from this for a minute. And so... 
Carolyn plays off of the parent angle. They're like, but what if your daughter were haunted? And they're like, fuck, you got me. Um, Play your child against me. Fuck. Fine. (laughs) Um, So they go to the house. Uh, As soon as Lorraine walks through the door, her face just falls. Like, you can see everything on her face. This is another instance where Vera is fucking phenomenal. It just leads back to her being my absolute favorite actress. Like, she's so fucking good. You can just see all the emotion in her face and her eyes. You can see how, like, she's scared and she understands and she sees what is kind of, like, going on. And and her she doesn't have to say anything. Her face says everything. And she does so damn good at it. Yes. And then, so she, like, you see her face fall. And then Roger introduces himself. And she, like, does, like, the polite, hi, this is me. And they turn to where the girls are all standing and then her face like drops again and it's just oh, so good so good she does it's so subtle but so perfect because she doesn't want to scare the family obviously like with her face like dropping she doesn't want to be like oh fuck obviously but you can just see it so subtly in her eyes where she's like oh no like and she's terrified so it's just so good <laughs> um, so then they go on and ed talks to the family um they wander through the house Ed gets a recording talking to Carolyn and Roger about all the haunting happenings that have been happening. Uh, Lorraine is walking through the house just doing her clairvoyant thing. But yeah, they go. But she says a lot of evil happens here. That's when she kind of like leans over against the post, gets sick, and she's like, there's a lot of evil here. Like, really bad things happen here. She's like, something terrible happened here, Ed. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So they wander upstairs. She talks to the girls. She sees Rory in the music box. She, uh, Lorraine wanders outside and she's standing under this creepy as fuck twisted tree that <sighs> nothing will grow on like it's all dead and staring at the water. Ed walks mm-hmm. out and is like, man, I don't know. It seems kind of questionable. And Lorraine is like, fuck this place. <laughs> uh, but this is where Lorraine kind of starts breaking is, it down for This Ed. is probably one of my favorite parts like in the movie to see like this whole reaction happen with her. So, so Lorraine turns when Ed says that, um, do you see well, the- when Ed, So when Ed says that, all you hear is rope tightening. You hear rope, you hear like a rope stretch, like something's hanging. And she like cr- almost crouches, like her shoulders go up and she like sinks in and she starts to turn around. And that's when she sees what her vision of Bathsheba hanging herself on that tree right above Ed. But we only see the feet. Correct. Just so you know. Yeah. Um, and then you find out that in the recording that Ed took, Carolyn's voice didn't record. Um, and then creepy ass haunting sounds recorded, of course. Uh, why Lorraine's face fell as soon as she walked into the house was because she could see some sort of shadow entity mm-hmm. uh, like hanging around the family. It was um, latched onto their back is how she described it. And basically... They're like, this place is awful. And this scene is like where I, as a person, say, thank God I'm not clairvoyant. Because I would, no, let me rephrase. (laughs) I would not love that power. But like Phoebe, right? Those kind of being very empathic and in tune with what's going Mm on. um, I think that is an incredible thing to have, like a gift. But then watching movies like this, I'm like, I never want to experience that. Like, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I love the way that Lorraine describes 
the entity because not only is it like it's just something haunting your house she's like this thing has latched itself uh, to you and your family and no matter what you do where you go it is feeding off of you and it will stick with you so they even say if you leave this house it's gonna follow you so there's it's not just the fucking house it's it's on you guys now <laughs> convinced that this family is haunted the Warrens come back with a couple of people because they have to gather enough proof to take to the church for them to perform an exorcism. Mm-hmm. So this is when they come back with our, what did you call him? Paranormal technologicalist? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, Drew, our paranormal technologicalist. Yep. That was a lot of words. And then Brad the cop. Yeah. Brad the blonde bombshell cop. That's um, right. He is there, one, for protection, but two, he's kind of a skeptic. And so they they want that on their side. They want a skeptic that doesn't believe in this so they can have they can just say they can't be like, oh, well, all of us saw it. We believe it. it but keeps, we've already been a part of this. Yeah, it keeps them grounded as far as like yeah. investigations go. Um, yeah. He's the rational voice. Mm-hmm. That's what he's supposed to be. Anyways, <laughs> he's also a nice little comedic feature for a moment. <laughs> so they also go into the history of the house um Lorraine like digs up a bunch of information um and what she describes is that the farmhouse was built by a man named Judson Sherman in 1863 his wife as Caitlin has already mentioned was Bathsheba who is related to Marytown SD which they tell you is a woman accused of witchcraft in the Salem witch trials so breaking from the movie for just a second um this is a real woman, both Bathsheba and Marytown Esty. And so I'm going to talk about their history just real quick. Um, so Marytown Esty was actually a woman. <laughs> Sorry, my brain. I'm, woo, okay. <clears throat> so Marytown Esty is a real woman, as we said, and she was actually hung as a product of the trials, the Salem Witch Trials in 1692, which we talked about in our Jane Doe episode, uh, like a brief history of. Um, according to the history of Massachusetts.org, Mary Esty and her family had testified against the Putnam family at some point about illegally harvesting some trees. And if you know your Salem witch trials history, then you know that the Putnam family was kind of the ones driving this. And if anybody who made them mad at some point claimed a witch. Yeah. So that's unfortunate. Um, then let's see. Mary Esty was officially accused of witchcraft in April of 19, I'm sorry, 1692 and arrested (laughs) on April 2nd. She was then examined by Judge John Hawthorne and Jonathan Corwin in Salem Village the following day, so April 3rd. As we mentioned in our Jane Doe episode as well, these examinations were horrifying, um, and they were not done very well. Uh, you were no. fucked. If you were getting investigated, you were fucked. Um, yeah. But this first examination, which was just them questioning her, is actually, they have it, like, written in a document. Like, it's recorded. Um, so she did get released after this one on May 18th. But then Mercy Lewis, who was one of the people shouting witch, continued to accuse Esty of tormenting her like in her sleep like the spirit of Esty is following me kind of a thing and as a result she was arrested again only 48 hours later 
So she was free for 48 hours. Poor woman. Poor woman. Um, and then she went through another examination, which is not recorded. So that's probably the one where they were, you know, pricking, humiliating, yeah, pricking her, manipulating her, whatever. Um, and then she was hung in September 22nd of 1692. Yeah. She also had two sisters who I think were accused and hung of witchcraft. And her yeah. mother was accused of witchcraft, although she was not accused. But all of them had some sort of slight against the Putnams. Her mother was accused of witchcraft, but not hung. Is that what you meant? No, she was accused, but she wasn't, or like, people said witch, but she was never formally charged. Oh, well, yeah. oh okay, okay. Sorry. That makes that's sense. what I meant. No, 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 that's fine. I just wanted to make sure. I just want to clarify. Um, So when Lorraine does all this research, this is when she finds out that and explains that uh, Bathsheba and Jedson had a baby and when it was only seven days old she tried to sacrifice it in front of the fireplace and when he caught her in the act of that she then ran to the tree climbed up there cursed anyone who would take her land and hung herself and uh, this she was proclaimed dead at 3.07 a.m. which is why the clock stop at 3.07 a.m. Um. My one thing with that story is what part of taking her land had to do with worshiping the devil like that's the one part of that story that kind of like i didn't get but that's neither here nor there that's what they say happened yeah so 307 as we've talked about is the devil's hour so that's probably why she was well three o'clock is the devil's hour that's why she was sacrificing at that hour um Uh and they had a lot of land. Like, ultimately, it was, like, over 200 acres or something that was then sold off in chunks. So when Lorraine finds this out, she finds a woman who was named... Uh, there was a, a woman in a family named Walker that lived in the house in the 1930s that was on this property. And her son, Rory, who is the little ghost in the music box that you see, mysteriously disappears in the woods. Uh, the mother of Rory ends up killing herself in the basement of the house, in the cellar basement of the house. And then you also find out that there is another boy drowned somewhere else on the land. He drowned in a pond and a neighboring maid ended up killing herself so as well. <laughs> basically, anyone who has ever lived on this land has some sort of dealing with a mysterious death. Yeah, or disappearance. Um, so after finding all of this out, they're convinced that it's haunted, like we said. They come back to the house with their assistant, Drew, uh, the paranormal technological list <laughs> i like it um and then the blonde bombshell cop that we talked about from the rhode island police and he is there as kind of he's supposed to be like the rational voice because he is a non-believer and they point that right out. they set up a bunch of temperature triggered cameras they put bells on the doors and recording devices in all the rooms and by the tree uh and like we said, all of this stuff is going to be used to find proof to give to the church so that they will perform an exorcism. And the yep. first night goes with absolutely no activity. The clocks turn to 3.08. Nothing happens. My favorite is they think that something's going to happen because one of the doors creaks open and like the bell chimes. And so they all get really excited and like go to the door. And then Brad walks out of the bathroom. <laughs> and he's like, what? I had to pee. <laughs> uh, yeah, just like silly little things like that happen. Yeah. And... The next day, the family, the dad takes the girls out for ice cream. Ed and Lorraine are just doing stuff around the house to help out. And Carolyn mm-hmm. is like, man, I'm tired. I'm going to go take a nap. 
Um, Lorraine is outside folding laundry. This is my favorite scene in this movie. It's so perfect. Okay. So she's folding laundry. They have uh, sheets hanging up on a laundry line. I'm acting it out for all of you who can't see me. (laughs) Um, She looks beautiful, just so everybody knows. (laughs) Randomly, the weather turns really dark. Clouds come over. The wind starts blowing. One of the sheets blows off the line and hits something that wasn't there, but it outlines a body. Yeah, so it's supposed to look like a human standing there, but there's nothing. And then the sheet floats with the person, like, up into that window that I talked about, where I said, don't forget this scene um, from the first night that Carolyn was looking out at Sadie and Sandy, Sadie, Sadie, um, and it's that exact same shot, same angle from outside looking in at that window, but instead of seeing the mom, you see Bathsheba, and it's so beautiful, I love it. So then Lorraine's like, fuck, takes off running. Yeah, into the house. Um, And then it cuts to Carolyn and she like wakes up suddenly and Bathsheba's laying over her, vomits into her mouth. She's possessed. Moral of that story. Lorraine runs in and is like, Carolyn, and finds her in the bathroom. She had vomited in the bathroom. She's like, oh, I just didn't feel good. I'm fine. And Lauren's like, okay. And then just like walks off like me, whatever. Lorraine's like, well, Lorraine tries to talk to her for a second because she knows what she saw and she's she knows exactly basically what's going into happening. And she's like, are you sure? Like, I saw something. And Carolyn just brushes it off. It is like, oh, I hear I hear Roger and the girls and just walks away from Lorraine. I think all Lorraine had to do was reach out and touch her and she would have figured it out. But 100 percent. Meh. Um, so then it's nighttime and the <laughs> cop is in the kitchen and he hears all these noises Basically, he gets haunted. Um, so after all of that, it's nighttime again, and the cop is hanging out in the kitchen. Here's a bunch of noise. Goes to get coffee. Basically, the maid that Katie mentioned <laughs> that killed herself starts whispering, and it's like, "Look what she made me do!" And then jumps out at him and screams, "Look what she made me do!" Yep. It- and he throws himself into the wall. <laughs> and when I hear that, all I can think about is the Taylor Swift song. And so I'm clipping them together and putting them at the end of this episode if you're into that Such kind of thing. Such a terrible song. Listen, I'm only taking the good part, which is the whisper of Look What You Made Me Do, and adding it to this great movie. So hush. Okay. You'll face. All right. <laughs> all right. And let's see. Um, so then everyone runs in to see what he just saw. Of course, the maid isn't there anymore. And while everyone is checking that out, a whole bunch of their cameras start triggering because Cindy is sleepwalking upstairs. And the dad is like, let me get her. And Ed is like, no, she's not alone. Because they explain that when a ghost is around, the temperature drops, which is what causes the cameras to take a picture. Yeah. And... So Cindy ends up in front of the, like, walking into Andrea's room, and the door closes, and so they all go running in there, and they can't find her. And so they pull out this special black light, and they follow her feet and handprints that are all over the wardrobe. They figure out that there's a false back on the wardrobe, much like Narnia, but this is an awful Narnia. (laughs) (laughs) This goes into the wall, like, you go into the wall of of the house, not to a really cool realm. Yeah, it's yes. an unfortunate time. <laughs> Somebody, for some reason, put a false back on the wardrobe and then knocked out a hole in the wall. And... It, uh, 
it's explained that that's Rory's hiding spot. So Rory finds it as a baby or a kid, sorry, and that's where he hangs out. I'm not sure why a kid would hang out in there, but whatever. So Lorraine climbs back there, finds Rory's toys, matches a dust print with the magic, not the magic, the The music music box. box. And then she finds rope on the ground or like on the floor and she pulls it up and it's a noose. So then at that point, she stands up and falls through the floor and lands in the cellar basement. She falls through that entire house from the upstairs all the way to the basement. To be fair, um, it hasn't been well maintained and it's a really old house. Yes. But I can't imagine how bad that would fucking hurt. My question for you I'm going to interrupt this intense moment. The rope. Was that how Rory got killed? No. So Rory's death is still unexplained. Um, the rope from from what I figured, because um, also I don't think the mother hung herself. I'm pretty sure the mother slit her throat or slit her wrists. Um, I know the maid slit her wrists. So is but- it just like where they tossed... Bathsheba's rope? That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking okay. that's just where it was left or Bathsheba was like, here, here's my noose. <laughs> okay. That makes more sense. Because yeah. I was like, I don't understand. But now I'm, it's coming together. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Alright, so Lorraine is in the cellar. She's mm-hmm. got the music box. And a flashlight. And a flashlight, right. She turns on the music box and she's like, looking through the mirror she hears she hears somebody crying she hears a woman crying but she can't see anything so she decides to be smart and use the box and she's looking at the mirror in the box holding the flashlight behind her and what does she see katie she sees the mother holding the dead body of a boy and just sitting there crying and rocking and all of a sudden the mom turns and she's got a creepy freaking face yeah it's tears running down makeup all all running down her face and she's just sobbing over her dead child's body um and then she screams look what she made me do scares the bejeebies out of lorraine lorraine goes booking it up the stairs her locket that her daughter had just given her in one of the previous scenes gets caught and breaks off leaving it in the cellar one of the things I want to point out real fast, the eyes in all of these movies are fucked up. Right? <laughs> so eyes creep me out so bad. Like at mm-hmm. night, that's what I see. <laughs> when I close really? my eyes, I see the haunted eyes. Yeah. And they're terrifying. Like the yellow and it looks like they're rotting and it's, yeah. It is a great way, one, for them to help the audience identify who's real and who's possessed. Um, And they keep it consistent throughout all the movies, which is really nice because it's all part of the same war inverse, right? So that's nice. But it's also what you remember so much from them. Like like with the mom, um, how you say you think she slit her throat, that makes sense to me, but I'm so focused on her eyes, I don't look at her throat. 
right? Because that's right. what I'm like honed in on. Right. But it's kind of like a Cheshire cat thing, right? When you close your mm-hmm. eyes, all you see are the damn eyes. Yep. Um. Yes, James Wan. Chef's kiss. Uh. So, Lorraine goes book it upstairs. They're they're all back together up in the living room, and Drew's got the camcorder, and all of a sudden you see some of Nancy's hair just just pick up down the side of her head, like <laughs> like something's picking her hair up. If you've seen It Follows, it's just like that. Yeah, and and Christine notices and goes, um, Nancy. And the spirit rips Nancy up by her hair and throws her against the wall, thrashing her everywhere, drags her across the the floor. And it's all caught on camera because Drew has the camera. And Lorraine's quick thinking, she grabs the shears and cuts the hair really quick that's being pulled. So she stops it before getting taken or and, killed. And then for some reason, the ghost is just like, man, I don't have the hair anymore. Oh, no. Yeah, sure. it just stops. Yeah. And that's when they're like, we have evidence. Get the fuck out of the house. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you got it? He's like, yep. They're like, we out. Yeah. Um, so that is when, sorry, Lorraine is standing by the pond and she sees an image of her daughter who in the film is portrayed as like, I don't know, six, somewhere. Between, I don't, yeah. I want to say she's like six to eight. Yeah. Somewhere between that age. Um, and she's floating in the pond and Lorraine is like, Ed, we have to get home. So they go home. And on their way home, it cuts to Judy, who's at home with Grandma, who apparently isn't a great babysitter. I don't know. But um, (laughs) (laughs) Judy gets lured for some reason. Does she? She thinks it's her parents getting home. Does she go into the artifact room? No. It opens and she closes it. Okay. The door opens to the artifact room. She closes it. Because she knows she shouldn't go in there. (laughs) Especially not when her parents are there. And it shouldn't be open anyways because as Katie described, it's got like 10 locks on it. And Ed has the only copy for the keys. So she goes into the office. um, Yeah, she runs into Ed's office. And there's a rocking chair in there that of course starts rocking. And it shows Annabelle, the doll, Mm -hmm. being caressed. Her hair's being brushed. Her hair's being brushed by some ghostly woman and she turns the door slams closed she's freaking out Lorraine and Ed of course get home right then grandma's like what's happening and (laughs) and uh, they're trying to get in of course they open the door just in time as the rocking chair comes shooting across the room they grab Judy Ed has impeccable i think in every movie he has like impeccable timing for grabbing the best timing that any man could have (laughs) um and then she's like annabelle so ed and lorraine like freak out they go unlock the thing annabelle's in her cage still locked up everything's fine it was just an image um what blows my mind and what i hate about this scene is that Bathsheba, so Bathsheba reaches Judy through the locket. They have shared lockets. Mm-hmm. Her power should not extend that far. In my opinion, that scene was not needed. I think I think the reason they show it that way is because that I think it's another way of showing that the spirit is not locked onto the house. The spirit is locked onto the people. So therefore, the spirit has now not just basically impressed themselves on the parent family, but then it's now impressed themselves on the Warren family and is going after the daughter. But 
like I get that part but it shouldn't be able to just float through space and time right her power doesn't float it gets it attaches itself so if mm-hmm. it's attached to Lorraine and she hasn't been home yet I wonder it's I wonder if it's because uh, as explained in later Annabelle movies uh Judy has the same psychic powers as Lorraine so you think it played off that I connection. think it played off that connection okay because you even you even see Judy freaking out and she screams mom and that's when Lorraine in the car goes something's wrong and well, panics because she can feel that um but also the scene where she's in the rocking chair caressing the thing mm-hmm. that is in the Annabelle movie I believe like that same idea um so if Lorraine gets premonitions that was Judy having a premonition as well brought on by Bathsheba but yes what you said so that's yes that's why I think that works okay yeah I was like no fucking way should her powers be able to stretch that far um but if she's playing plus she has like a special as Lorraine figures out like right here basically Hmm. um, Bathsheba has a special intent of it latching herself onto the beautiful godliness gift of motherhood um and so that's because that's the biggest sin you can do to god and so because lorraine is a mom it made it easier for her to latch onto that connection yeah this is why i like talking through these movies with you okay i I got you i get it so (laughs) yes as we said, Lorraine figures out that the mom is the target and she's like, shit, Carolyn, which to me, it was obvious Carolyn was the target the whole time. I'm not sure why it took that long, but whatever. Roger and Carolyn and the girls after that awful night <laughs> are staying at a hotel. And nice little motel. <laughs> and they are waiting for Lorraine and Ed to come back with a priest to do the exorcism. Uh, but because the children are not baptized, they have to it takes a little bit longer i guess for them to convince the church to intervene yeah so they are kind of waiting for that to happen um meanwhile carolyn takes the two youngest back to the house and they're like no she takes christine and april oh cindy i keep forgetting about cindy alice yeah yeah so she takes she takes christine and april specifically those two for some reason back to the house with her um So Roger pulls up and the kid, the girls are freaking out. And they're like, she smelled so bad. Smelled the rotten meat. And. And uh, that was like a tell, a tell that the, the Warrens gave them a long time ago. When you smell rotten meat, that's a big sign of a a demonic entity. So they call, Roger calls Ed and Lorraine. They're like already on their way there. Um, And. They pull up to the house because they called the cop and the cop escorted them there so they could go extra fast. Which is smart. Yeah, I appreciated that explanation too. Um, So they get there and I love this too because it's not like stuff just stopped. Because I feel like sometimes when you're watching movies and things are supposed to be happening in tandem, they don't show it as well. And you're like, wow, it took them a really long time to do that, you know? Yeah. But in this one, they pull up, they break into the house because it's locked they go to the cellar and they find roger and drew 
holding Carolyn's arms because she is trying to stab Christine with the shears. Yeah. So there's like this struggle already happening, which I love. I love that they did that. Yes. So they they already walk in on his shit show. (laughs) Yeah. They walk in and they're instantly like, oh, God. Like, fuck. So they get Christine away from mom. Alice takes off into the walls. April. April. God damn it. I'll get it. <laughs> April. April takes off into the walls. Drew through the takes, hole that Lorraine fell through. Drew takes Christine out to his car and locks her in. And then his whole goal while this is all happening is to find April and get her out. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the policeman gets bit on the face by Carolyn, who is possessed by Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. And you can tell because her whole it's look. starting. Yeah, it's starting to change her look. And eventually they get her tied down to a chair. Covered with a sheet. <laughs> Lorraine convinces Ed that he has to do the exorcism. And previously they had gone through this big explanation that it has to be like a person a of the church. And they mm-hmm. assist, but they don't do them themselves. And so Ed freaks out and is like, okay. I'll do it's it. It's because they don't they don't have enough time to wait. They know that Bathsheba is going to kill the mom. So he starts doing the chant or the, I'm sorry, not the chant. Well, this is where my favorite scene comes in because she runs to get the exorcist book. And that's when you get the whole like up and down look of her running up the stairs and the camera for it. It's just so good. Anyways. And while she's doing that, you're right. That's when it flips and then it like mm-hmm. pans over too. And you see Drew, right? Trying to run up trying to yeah he's he's scattering trying to run and find april while she runs out of the house and then it comes back and watches her go back down like and you go like upside down with her that's it's so cool (laughs) it's so good yeah um so they're all scrambling to try and get this figured out ed's trying to get his shit together uh what you heard at the beginning is this scene right here where he starts the exorcism and bathsheba starts screaming um and then he's like, show your face. And then the he sheet. reveal yourself. The sheet slits and you see Bathsheba, not Carolyn's face. So that's yes. when you know, like, she is full-blown possessed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a whole bunch of shit happens. Bathsheba gets free. Finds They find April in the wall. Well, Lorraine... dumbass Drew over here yells, I found April! And <laughs> yells where the fuck she is. So all of a sudden, Carolyn, Bathsheba... Takes that, grabs the shears, runs under the house real fucking fast before anybody can grab her because he was the one yelling out where he found her. So, dumbass Drew on that one. Uh, Lorraine (laughs) uses her gift, um, reaches down through the floor, grabs Bathsheba slash Carolyn's head, and, like, uses her connection to remind Carolyn of this beautiful family that she has in this really fun time on the beach that they made a big deal about in the movie um, so that Carolyn can fight Bathsheba from inside out. She wins. It's fighting for her soul. That's all it is. and That's how they explain it. So. I hate that phrase, fighting for her soul, because to me, that's them saying, I don't care if she dies as long as she goes to heaven. Like, to me, that's what that phrase means. Um, we're just trying to keep her from going to hell. Just saying, I hate that. But they're religious in this in, movie, and it's in the term. In the way that I look at it, is is the 
is they're fighting for her soul because that's what the demon wants specifically is that soul. And so they're trying to fight it to bring it back and keep it here rather than just go to heaven. But that's just my way of interpreting it, not like saying that's how it's actually meant to be looked at. So. But, uh, yeah. So Carolyn defeats Beth Sheba by sheer will, I guess. And Pretty much um, by yelling, her, people yelling at her. <laughs> her love overpowers all because the love of a mother is too pure or something like that. Yeah, something of that sort. Something gooey. Um, and then that's it. That's like how it is. Those, those um, two girls are going to be fucked for the rest of their life. That's um, all I have to say. Those girls will grow up into their teenage years, pull out every suppressed memory they have of their mother trying to murder them. Mm-hmm. and probably get into drugs and stripping. I don't know. but yeah, that, That's some hella PTSD right there. Um, yeah. They're going to be messed up. And that being said, and then it ends with the Warrens being like, we just got a call from Father Gordon to investigate Connecticut, which is where the haunting in Connecticut comes in. My, my favorite was after they get the, because they keep the music box as their, their cursed item from this one. And as they're going to put it in their artifact room, Lorraine comes over to the room and goes, the exorcism was approved by the, by the church. <laughs> what timing? He's like, great. I wonder if he got in trouble for doing the exorcism by the church. You know, he saved a life. So he saved three lives, technically. So I, I yeah, I don't know. Yes, but also the Catholic church uh, does have like a hierarchy and a power trip thing. So I yeah. feel like if it got out that any normal person could do it, they'd be like, oh, oh no. More than likely. But, um, so now we're going to switch gears, now that we just spent forever talking about the movie, and we're going to talk about the real case. And we're going to kind of blow through this um, just a little bit, but also not really at all. Uh, <laughs> this is a long episode. I warned you. So, and the filming of The Conjuring movie was done in North Carolina, the soundstage is in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is near the coast. A lot of movies happen there. It's kind of called East Hollywood, which is weird. Uh, they rebuilt this farmhouse that they used for the outside shots on the soundstage, which is where they filmed the majority of the inside shots. Mm-hmm. In Wilmington, they also used the University of North Carolina campus. Uh, Father Gordon's church is a church located at 411 Market Street. They use the Carolina Apartments, Keenan Memorial Fountain, and the Carolinian Inn. The house they used for the exterior shots with the pond and everything is located at 405 Cane Tuck Road in Curie, North Carolina. The tree was built on that property and then taken down after production. Um, which probably helps keep people away from it. Cause I'm sure if they left that tree up, people would go nuts. <laughs> I'm sure. And I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. There would be a lot of deaths from that too. Um, the house that they selected for those exterior shots is roughly a hundred years old. And rumor has it that the parent family visited that house and that they felt like eerie things happened when they visited that house. Um, They say that they felt a sudden draft of cool wind, which only affected them, but like no trees or leaves or anything were shaking. 
the kids also reportedly said that something bad was going to happen today as they like came on there like came up to that house and then their mother fell and broke her hip that day big deal no no big deal (laughs) Um, I guess a few other spooky things may have happened either at this location or just while filming this movie in general. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the things that I found were that the actress who played Christine, uh, Joey, I believe is her real name, Uh the gorgeous one, she was getting random bruises and they couldn't explain where they were coming from. And once filming ended, they all kind of cleared up because children do not do their own stunts so it's not like she was actually flying around the room or bumping into stuff um so that was one thing that was weird vera had a lot of eerie things happening (laughs) um she in an interview with collider said that james wan discussed sorry in an interview with collider james wan said that vera confided in him that she had been waking up between 3 and 4 a.m. every morning once filming started. Uh, The day after she completed filming for The Conjuring, she woke up with three claw mark bruises on her thigh that were very similar to those seen on Carolyn in the movie. Um, Carrie, one of the writers, thinks that he had a water poltergeist (laughs) feeding off teenage angst from one of his kids. This is that's my favorite one. <laughs> um, so what happened was he was finding miscellaneous puddles in his house. And I don't know if it was one puddle in the same spot that just kept coming back or if it was like all over the place. I, the story didn't really explain that. Um, but I like to think it was just one puddle that kept appearing <laughs> in the same spot. <laughs> He's um, like, what the fuck? Yeah. And he was like, every time we clean it up, I turn around and there it would be again. So he talked to Lorraine while they were filming because Lorraine Warren took part in the filming process she yeah she helped before she died she helped with all that um and she told him or he figured out that it was a water poltergeist because one of his teenage children was having a rough time and they were like oh obviously it's feeding off your child (laughs) it's always it's always that um and that made me think of Charmed because there's an episode in Charmed where it's, I don't know if it's a water demon or if it's the electricity demon, but every time someone gets really mad, it like feeds off of them. Um, but yeah, anyways. It's not the electricity demon. The electricity demon was just was just the one where they turned on the electricity and it would appear. That's why they always had to keep it off. Um, I know the water episode you're talking about, though. Yeah, yeah there's one like that. Um, yeah. They say that while they were recreating the famous artifact room, a particular little pig figurine kept moving around the room um, while they were like setting it up. <laughs> I just want it to be like the little girl that plays April who's just like sneaking in there and like moving it around without telling anyone. I wouldn't doubt it was just silly things like that. Um, but as mentioned, the true parent family did take part in the filming process. So let's talk about their story. Um, you can f- see a photo that's floating around on the internet, and it is said to be uh, the earliest surviving photo of the farmhouse that the parents bought. And I found this photo through an article on allthingsinteresting.com. 
I will also post it on our Instagram and circle the person they think may be Bathsheba. This is not a confirmed historian photo. Like this is um, assumed to be, right? Like it's people probably reaching, but it is yeah. a photo. The Perrin family moved into this farmhouse on January 1971. This was a 14-room farmhouse. and they Jesus were... Christ. <laughs> there are differing stories. Um, some people say they didn't. I think the, sorry, I think the main story is they did not know the history of the house when they bought it, but that the mm. realtor had told her dad the day they moved in, like when he handed off the keys. Oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Now that you can't turn back. Here, here's the keys. You paid us your money. Oh, and by the way, this house is hella fucking haunted. Um, So Carolyn first started noticing the infestation signs, as the Warrens described it, mm -hmm. uh, such as sounds from places where no one was, random piles of dirt on a freshly cleaned floor. Uh, one of the things she kept pointing out was it would sound like somebody was messing with her teapot, but there was nobody in the kitchen or her mm -hmm. kettle or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, the girls say they noticed a ton of harmless ghosts um, and they felt like a couple were malevolent. They say beds would float, random stinks were real, like the rancid smells. The cellar gave everyone the creep, so they just generally didn't well, go down there. What basement doesn't? I know. Even like a fully furnished basement freaks me out. It's the idea of being six feet underground at all freaks me out. Yeah. Um, their heater would fail, which was in the cellar. And mm -hmm. uh, just like stuff like that, you know. Uh, they did describe some of the ghosts that they saw and i think i mentioned them later um april really did befriend a invisible spirit ghost that she said uh was named oliver richardson and it did live it's in always the, the kids it's always the kids man um that's why I that's another reason i don't have kids <laughs> um maybe just don't let them die while they're children and you'll be okay <laughs> well they always have like that in that like sixth sense where they're like i can i can tell something's here oh i thought you meant the ghosts were always kids oh no <laughs> no no no, no. like kids, kids, always, see kids always see the ghosts and that's another reason i don't, I don't have kids <laughs> okay there are two types of people in this world someone who talks yeah. about children and says oh they always see ghosts and someone who thinks you're talking about the dead children <laughs> dead children it's always dead children <laughs> oh man <laughs> Uh, okay. So, Carolyn reportedly researched the home uh, when they started having these happenings and found that the farmhouse had been in the same family for eight generations and that many of the family members had died under mysterious conditions. That's, yeah, that's a telltale of, um, don't get the, don't buy that fucking house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, when she grew up, Andrea wrote a trilogy called House of Darkness, House of Light. Um hmm. I believe the third book is coming out soon. Like it's either in the works or it, it came out recently. Don't quote me. I didn't mm. look up the dates for the book. Um, but during this story writing, it's her experiences in this house, but it focuses on a particular family that lived here. So she did a lot of research. So some of this stuff is from her research, which some argue isn't completely valid. Um, just that she didn't like double check certain things. So 
that's where people are pulling a lot of this information from. Uh, but she found a black book of Burville, and it was the town's former public records book, and it showed that there had been two suicides by hanging in their attic, uh, one suicide by poison, two drownings, and four men who froze to death, and like some more miscellaneous deaths on that land. Mm-hmm. There are, there's also, this is heavy, so like trigger warning, I guess, um, there is also recorded a rape and murder of an 11-year-old Prudence Arnold on the property. Uh, some records argue with those locations. Um, her official death record says she died in Uxbridge, Massachusetts, not on the farm in Rhode Island. And that her cause of death is, or was that her throat was cut by, and then it has the initials W-E-K. Um the original murderer of this young girl it was like bill something like bill norton i think so i mean w could be william bill's short for william but they don't know where the yeah. nk thing came from so like those are arguable details uh still prudence arnold the arnold family did own that house for a very long time that was part of those eight generations that lived there so she's still part of the family that like lived there and haunted everything i guess um andrea perrin like i said she wrote those books she did like press to people that these movies are not based off of her books but they are based off of lauren i'm sorry lorraine and ed's investigation not her personal experiences so although they contributed to the story and they took part in the filming there's a lot of liberties taken and it's not necessarily from their point of view um, so they do believe that the spirit of Bathsheba that was portrayed in the movie is Bathsheba Sherman, who lived on the property in the 1850s. So she is a real woman, and they have records saying Bathsheba lived there. As we learned with the Salem witch trials, we have to take claims against women with a grain of salt. But she was noted by locals <laughs> to have been a Satanist. And was blamed for the death of a neighboring child. She Hmm. currently is buried on a plot in the Baptist Cemetery in Harrisville. And her marked grave says she died May 25th, 1885 at the age of 73. So she lived a good long life. I'd say so. Um, The death that she was associated with. So she was rumored to have murdered this child. But she never actually got charged or accused officially. Mm-hmm. So throw, keep that in mind. Um, but I guess she was taking care of somebody's infant. And this baby died. And upon an autopsy, they found that this baby had been stabbed at the base of the skull with either a large sewing needle or like a knitting needle. I'm not sure if back in the day they distinguished between those two. But mm-hmm. yes. Um, so... Adria, Adrian, yes. Andrea, Andrea, sorry, <laughs> Andrea, Adrian, <laughs> <laughs> Andrea says that a historian told her mother that Bathsheba was known for treating her farmhands very poorly. She would starve them and beat them. Uh, Carolyn is said to have told Lorraine that she woke up from a nap with a large prick to her calf that was bleeding one time. So that's kind of Ouch. where Lorraine was like, oh, obviously this is Bathsheba. 
So that's how they put those together. Um, which does cast doubt on uh, Lorraine a little bit because they're taking rumors and placing them into present day. So keep that in mind as well. Uh, Bathsheba did have a son named Herbert L. Herbert L. Sherman, who was born when Bathsheba was approximately 37. In March of 1849, it is possible that they had three other children, all of whom did not survive past the age of seven because there are no census records of them. Uh, Herbert went on to have kids, Julia, Edward, and George. There's no census information on them, so nobody knows what happened to them. And Andrea Perrin is quoted as saying, whoever the spirit was, she perceived herself to be mistress of the house and she resented the competition my mother posed for that position. Which is why they called the Warrens. So, um, I would also like to note that there is a website called, I think it's called theconjuringhouse.com, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's called theconjuringhouse.com. It goes into even more historical detail on the land um, and like who owned it first and how it came to be owned by the Arnolds. So that stuff is kind of interesting as well, if you want to get into that. <sighs> so, uh, this family's being haunted. They call the Warrens. Um, I do believe Carolyn actually did go to one of their lectures, and that's how she got them to come to the house. So, in addition to including the original Perrin family into this movie, as we said, Lorraine Warren also took a part in the film's creation. Ed died in 2006 of a stroke, I think. Um, So, unfortunately, he wasn't able to assist with this. Uh, Ed Warren was a World War II veteran and a former police officer who became a self-professed demonologist after studying the subject on his own time. And go for it. I see your face. I was going to say, so so for the record, the degree of demonology is not a real thing from what I can tell. I know there are certain like demonic classes that certain colleges will offer, but I don't think you can actually get a degree as a demonologist. So... Uh, all the programs that I have looked at and all the professionals like with doctorate degrees and everything, they typically have a degree in history or theology and then they mm-hmm. focus on, on like, demonology. Like, yeah, they focus on those aspects. But there's nothing specifically that says I have a PhD in demonology. Um, yeah. Not to say that like demon demonology isn't a thing you just can't get a degree in demonology from an accredited university there are online <laughs> things yeah to be fair there's, there's everything online but um i just want to like separate those things yeah. i've looked <laughs> yeah um lorraine claims to be a clairvoyant and medium as we've discussed who is capable of communicating with the demons and spirits that ed discovers through his investigations it's how god brought them together duh yeah (laughs) um the Perrin family lived 
in their house for 10 years. So it's not like they were haunted for a couple weeks and then they left. They were there for 10 years. And over that 10 years, the Warrens went to the house on multiple occasions doing like mm-hmm. different things. Mm-hmm. Um, on one such occasion, which happened to be their last occasion at this house, <laughs> Lorraine and Ed hosted a seance during which Carolyn reportedly became possessed. She spoke random languages and like floated off the ground. Andrea says that she was spying on the seance with her baby sister, April, from another room. And, like, she says that, yes, that happened. Um, In one article, it's a little iffy. So, in one article, she says, oh, yeah, I saw my mom. She spoke weird languages. She was floating. That was the end of the seance. Like, they cut the cord right then. And another one, she says, I saw my mom, or I saw the medium conjure a ghost that attacked my mother so i don't know if she shifted her story throughout the years or if once she got in connection with the movie she like doled her story down a little bit um i'm not sure because right after the seance dad roger kicked the warrens out of their house and did not allow them to come back (laughs) um and as we said the family lived there until they moved in 1980, and I, they went. They moved to Georgia, so they went pretty far. Oh, okay. Um, the owners at the time that this movie came out were Norma and Jerry Sutcliffe, and they did get a lot of fanfare because people, of course, started swarming their property, wanting to get a look Pictures at the house. Pictures of the house, yeah. Um, So they got really annoyed by all the trespassers and made like an hour and a half YouTube video, I think. I think it's on YouTube. Uh, No, I know it's on YouTube, but I don't know if that's where it first got posted is what I'm trying to say. We'll post the link to it as well in our notes. Um, But they ended up filming this video simply to convince people that the house is not haunted. The story has nothing to do with their house and to stop coming to their property. Makes sense. Um, Which is wildly different than what the current owners did. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Lorraine says the couple would never have actually performed an exorcism. Um, So those parts of all the movies are not accurate. They never did exorcisms. They understood that that was a church thing. And it's dangerous for somebody else who's not a part of the church or knows that to do it. Yeah, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, You can't, it's just, you can't, it's a situation you can't control. So, the other thing I wanted to point out, um, at the time of this investigation, Judy was like 21. She was not a young child. She was full grown out of the house. Uh, So, in all of these movies, Judy's roles, specific to the movie, is not real life. Yeah. Um, so we're going to conclude this with a where are they now? Uh, so this family, I want to say, reminds me a lot of the family in The Haunting of Hill House. Mm-hmm. The oldest one grew up, wrote books about it to try and like figure out what happened kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. There's those that don't talk about it or acknowledge it at all. <laughs> um, yeah. So Andrea has been the most outspoken. She's built her career off of this. All of the interviews are Andrea said, Andrea said, Andrea said. 
She loves being a part of this. April is the only other child that I can find anything about. Um, she died in 2017 at the age of 51. That's unfortunate. Um, Christine, from an interview that Andrea said, is the most quiet and like reserved about this whole thing. That, that doesn't surprise me at all. She's the one that had the, the mom holding her with shears. So even though that did not happen in real life, I, right, um, right. I'm sure that that the reason they chose Christine was for a very good reason. More than um, likely. Based off of some true conversations they had about her experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, another tiny thing I just want to share really fast. April said that she never told the Warrens about having a little haunted best friend. Um, so she personally shared that story or Andrea shared that story on her behalf when they grew up. Got it. Um, we said it died in 2006. Lorraine died, I think April of 2019. I'll double check. Okay. While you do that, I'll close this out. Uh, so this house was bought by a new family and it was bought by two paranormal investigators and their children who helped them with their investigations. The husband is the actual investigator um, or like the paranormal specialist and his wife is like a history buff so she digs into the history of all these properties their daughter Madison Heinzen has like a growing TikTok which will probably grow even more now that Conjuring 3 has come out Um, but you can find her at madison.heinzen207 because she takes videos of stuff that goes on in the house and like haunted happenings. Uh, really fast. Lorraine died April 18th, 2019. We will add that and talk about that next April. Mm-hmm. Um, the house sold for $439,000. These, this family allows people to spend a night in their home. Uh, they give you like a cot like it's not a bed and breakfast and they make that very clear (laughs) they give you a cot to stay sleep on they'll give you a tour talk about the history you can spend the night and then you get out like the next day um they have a website theconjuringhouse.com it's booked really far out i think it's like booked into november um they leaned into the creepy decor (laughs) from what i've read they have uh, like really old style stuff in there and like a creepy voodoo doll looking thing um not it's not a a voodoo doll but it's like a creepy doll on the mantles and stuff like that to spend the night is 125 dollars per person and they offer like a group rate on the weekends for a max of six (laughs) and as we said you can book at theconjuringhouse.com all of the ratings say that the family is super nice they loved the tour they got to wander off on their own and like do their own investigating and things like that uh So, if I had the money to spend, I would do that, too. But, basically, um, nobody who's lived there since the Perrin family has reported such extreme hauntings. Um, People have noted, like, small things. uh, Knocks on the walls, things moving, but nothing, like, malevolent. And this concludes our roughly two-hour episode on The Conjuring. (laughs) 
Um, it was we, a good time. We are putting out two extra episodes this week. Our next one will be, you guessed it, The Conjuring 2. And then at the end How of How did you know? Whoa. <laughs> and then we're doing a bonus episode this week, which is... The Conjuring 3. The devil made me do it. So go see it. Um, and it's on HBO. So we're in theaters. Yep. The Conjuring 1 and 2 are both on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, watch them all. Because when you watch them all together, you see all the tiny little details. Oh, I love it. We'll talk more it's about solid. it. It's solid. They do so well with it. We'll talk more about it in the next episode for The Conjuring 2. But in the meantime, you can find all of our information and our pictures and everything we're going to post, you can follow us on Instagram at or underscore cats underscore witch hats. You can send us your reviews, your personal movie requests, anything you want to our Gmail at uh, horror cats witch hats at gmail.com. It's all one word. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at the same tag as our Instagram horror underscore cats underscore witch hats. And otherwise, don't forget to. Subscribe, follow, interact. Tell us what movies you want to want us to talk about later on. Um, just as we always say, don't curse us. Please, please. <laughs> please do pet your cats. And also, we have huge things planned for hopefully starting next month. And being a follower on anything will help you tremendously. So we hope to see you. Uh, slash hear from you yeah stick around hang out and uh join us next time wow look what you made me do look what you made me do look what you made me do